Hello, my name is Shane Snedeker, and I am here to host Hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? On this podcast, I deliver some sanity in a world that is becoming more and more insane. Do you ever feel like things you're seeing and the world you're experiencing bear no resemblance to the world you once knew? Well, you're not alone. Join me on this podcast for a dose of stabilizing common sense and rationality. I will do my best to counterbalance the craziness in our lives by analyzing social and political issues, conducting respectful and open free speech dialogues, and trying to extend some lighthearted fun your way. I hope you'll be encouraged and return for more episodes. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me on Hi, I'm Earth. Have we met? I'm super excited for the second installment of a two-part series where we discuss vaccines. If you have not listened to my last episode from last week, where I kind of go over my perception of vaccines and my take on it, I highly encourage you to pause this episode and check that out because that'll be a really good preface for what we're going to do tonight. I am so excited. This is my very first guest is joining me tonight. Before I introduce my friend Sean, I just want to give a bit of a backstory. This is a very special moment for me because I've actually never met Sean until tonight. That's the power of technology. Sean was a mutual friend. We have a mutual friend, Jeremy, and we met through Facebook and we have had some epic dialogues and deliberations and even sometimes some heated stuff on Facebook. But one of the things I appreciate the most about Sean is... He is an avid researcher and he's kept me on my toes. He's called me out on some of my um, assertions that I've made over the years on Facebook that, you know, I I maybe uh, wasn't fully backing the things I've said. And so I I have mad respect for Sean Cochran. I'm super excited that he's joining me. He, you know, kind of sits a little bit on the other side of the the aisle on this vaccine Uh, debate and we're going to get into it. I do want to preface that this is not a debate. I wanted for this episode, I wanted both sides of this topic to receive adequate representation. And so I specifically sought out somebody who sees things a little bit differently than me, not to debate them, but to just hear their heart and hear where they're at on the issue. You know, he may push back on something I say, or I may push back on something he says, but in general, we just... We're just going to have a conversation about this. And I think that that's something that's lacking in society today is respectful dialogue that doesn't have to get inflamed or um, adversarial. And so I'm very thankful to introduce Sean Cochran, my friend. So it's good to have you, Sean. Good to be here. Great to be here. Um, yeah, this is my first podcast and uh, this is the first time ever meeting you. So it's uh, it's quite a treat. Okay, cool. Well, and then. To be honest with you guys, for my listeners, I highly anticipate having Sean on for other episodes because he is an expert in a lot of things that I am not. So uh, keep your, your ears open for future episodes because I know I'll have Sean back. But for tonight, we're going to talk about a touchy subject. We're going to talk about vaccines. To start off with, I thought, Sean, if you would be willing to just kind of give me a brief high level overview of your upbringing and perception, how, how you came to your current perce- perception of vaccines and their utility within the medical field growing up and, and into your adulthood. Right. Well, first off, I, uh, I've always hated needles with a passion. <laughs> uh, needles and me, uh, going back to when I was a child, you know, um, I just, 
uh, it, it, it was, it, it really, they really scared me out uh, in the blood, any kind of, uh, medical, uh, procedures, things like that, operations, things like that. I, 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 I get really squirmish and, uh, I can't, can't handle that kind of stuff is real, but you know, if it's like, uh, movie gore, things like that, I'm an avid fan. You know, <laughs> I, I'm one of those kinds of people, right. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so vaccinations, uh, I really didn't have any kind of you know, knowledge at my youngest age. You know, it was basically something that I heard about, but didn't really care about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you're younger, you know, those, you just, you just don't really have much of a, a grasp or a, a need to have that kind of uh, knowledge. So uh, the usual vaccinations were given to me and my sister after birth uh, and throughout childhood. So, uh, me and my sister both, uh, suffered no, uh, ill side effects or anything like that. Uh, I can't remember any of my family members, any of them suffering any, uh, anything like Asperger's or, uh, Down syndrome or anything like that. Really, you know, I, I, I never really questioned that vaccines could be harmful or, or cause autism or anything like that, because I never really had any kind of experience with it, you know? So, Totally. All growing up and uh, through my teenage, through my young adult years, I really never gave them a stunt, right? And I uh, didn't really, uh, really discover anything or hear anything of, or want to discover or hear anything until about right up about 10 years ago. Gotcha. 10 years ago, I can't remember or recall the reason why, but uh, I started really heavily getting into researching about vaccines. Uh, it wasn't for my own children or anything like that. I think I, I just had, you know, I, I, that was also the, the time as when I started uh, into my uh, vegetarian vegan uh, for a while. So it's kind of like, kind of came hand in hand. It was the same time that I got all natural, uh, started, uh, you know, switching out all my bathroom products, all my kitchen products, everything with natural products, you know, and all that good stuff. So it was kind of like all in all, you know, something that I needed to research and something that I heard about. And so I really got into that heavy. Um, I was in, you know, absolute shock and awe when I when I learned about the compensations that have been uh, paid to vaccine injured families. And uh, really, at that point, doubled down my research and, and really, you know, got into it about the in injuries that are possibly caused by the vaccines. Um, I found uh, plenty of, you know, I mean, irrefutable evidence that, yes, you know, people are being injured. And yes, these people are very real. With the research I put in, I started seeing patterns in the information. Uh, these patterns became uh, more and more apparent the more I searched. Vaccine injuries uh, occur at a certain rate for each vaccine. And if you compare those rates alongside the rates of non-injured subjects, it becomes very clear that the overwhelming majority of people do not suffer any adverse effects whatsoever, right? I mean, you can see that, you know, uh, the millions and millions of people get these vaccines for anything and everything up to a flu shot. And uh, the majority, I mean, you know, the 90 some odd whatever percent of the people do not suffer any vaccine harmful side effects. But that, of course, you know, begs the question, why? Why are so many immune to the side effects while some aren't? And right. uh, so I started looking, yeah, so I started looking into dosage amounts, delivery methods, combination doses, and uh, the rates for each variance. And uh, the long story short, all of the evidence I found pointed to one thing, and that is combination doses. Once those combination doses started coming out, that's when the autism rates, the, you know, Asperger's, all those different types of things that uh, people are claiming that is happening to their children and to even adults and healthy adults. 
perfect, perfectly healthy people. Right. But all of a sudden they're coming down with these, uh, uh, you know, symptoms, reporting of symptoms like those before they started doubling down and tripling down and, and putting one vaccination on top of the other right away, not giving any time frames, not waiting to, to separate the doses out. That's when, like I say, the increase and in, in, in they really started skyrocketing. And totally. uh, the delivery methods, uh, spacing out vaccines rather than shooting them all up and, you know, at one time, it, it's, it's not the only issue that I found, you know, but it's the one that makes the most sense to me based on, you know, everything that I studied. So my conclusion is that more vaccines is not the problem. It's the way that they're administered that is causing the injuries. So that, you know, is, is a major problem that they need to address and they need to space out vaccines and they need to i mean this is not i'm not saying that's going to, to completely erase any and every uh injury but i think that it will cut down and and bring those injuries down to uh where they're very very rare occurrences well right off the bat i have to say that i have to commend you because from 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 my side of the aisle we're very very vaccine hesitant and you know, you can say anti-vax. I, I'm really not anti-vax. I think the idea of vaccines is great, but I don't think we have safe vaccines. But from my side of the aisle, I very, very, very rarely see somebody willing to actually do research. What I typically see is people hook, line, and sinker taking the narrative and, and not actually doing their own research. And denigrating me for being an anti-vax when all I do is research this stuff. You know what I mean? So, so right off that's, the bat, that's, that's, that's amazing that you did your own research and came to those conclusions. And then that's also, I mean, that's, I respect that about you. I mean, it's impossible to find an explanation out there, you know, to what each and every single ingredient in the vaccine is for, why it's in there. Exactly. What does it do? And why, tell me each and every ingredient in that vaccine. And I, I researched the hell out of trying to find that. And you cannot find anything in that information. Why not? Why isn't that common information? Right? It's, 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 it's scary. And it's, 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 it's also it's fear-mongering. And it's, it's trying to uh, bully people into doing it because they feel that that is the way that it needs to be done. Yep. Yep. No, we're, we're in agreement there. Okay. So next <clears throat> question. Can I ask you if you received the COVID-19 vaccine? Yes. What was yes. your brief reasoning behind getting the COVID-19 vaccine? I chose uh, Johnson & Johnson one shot because it was just one shot. <laughs> you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't have to deal with two needles. You only had to deal with the one. I only want the one. Just give me the one. I'm good with just the one. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, um, I refused it in the beginning. I refused getting the shot all the way up. It was in July. Yeah, I got it at a Mariners game. Oh, and um, right. <laughs> it was an interesting way of doing it because right after I got the shot, the crowd broke into a cheer. I, I kid you not. The crowd, <laughs> everybody went crazy and it was over a play in the game. Right. But it was just perfect timing. The jab went crazy. in and then all of a sudden the crowd went crazy. crazy. The crowd went wild. It was it was exciting. But, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I, I refused it up until then because I, I feel, you know, that it was uh, my fear, my fear of vaccines from all the research that I did earlier, you know, I mean, uh, finding out all of the uh, injuries and all that. And uh, I just, uh, when I did that research, I had pretty much made up my mind that I wasn't going to ever have any uh, vaccines in my body again. And that was a big decision for me to make, you know, I mean, this is saying that I uh, saying no to science, 
saying no to a lot of uh, doctors and scientists that I should be saying yes to, right? Uh, because I'm uh, of a scientific mind and I know I'm of a reasoning mind and I, I'm not the type of person that does that. Right. But uh, like you say, I mean, uh, the, the information is there. It's, it's there. It's open. It's an open book for anybody who wants to read it. And uh, if you want to read it, you can. And a lot of people don't. Most people don't. The majority of people don't. But the actual very, uh, the reason why I decided to get the shot is I, the love of my life, uh, she is autoimmune, very autoimmune. Immunocompromised? Uh, yeah, there we go. She is very autoimmune compromised. And uh, she's had asthma since she was a baby. Uh, she's got severe asthma, not, not just kind of asthma where you need a puffer. She, she has asthma, we're her in a hospital. She was in the hospital over and over and over uh, at the beginning of our relationship. I, I really feel that her changing uh, her diet, uh, you know, from uh, eating animals to vegetarian for as many years, they helped her out. But then uh, she's really been uh, trying to be vegan uh, <laughs> she still eats cheese once in a while and i, I swear that flares up her uh, asthma as, as well you know but I, she's been doing amazing and i uh, commend her all so much for totally. all that she's changed and uh, made made her way but the, the the fact of the matter is that she's still uh, very you know compromised and i decided you know that my fear of the vaccines uh had to be overtaken by my fear of her uh, suffering from this COVID virus, you know, and uh, ravaging her and taking her. Yeah. From totally, right? totally. Right. That's, so that's fair. that, that was the main reason. Uh, also, you know, I've, I've experienced several people in my life that have caught COVID and uh, one of them has passed. Uh, that would be her mother. My, uh, my, my girlfriend's mother passed from COVID and it was uh, only COVID. COVID was the only reason that she passed. She was doing very well before uh, she caught COVID and uh, took her out within mm. a matter of a month. Sorry to hear that. And uh, Yeah, she was, uh, it really just uh, destroyed her. She, she was in the hospital within two weeks and she couldn't talk couldn't she was on a ventilator for almost uh, the entire time and uh, so Dee never really got to say goodbye to her and it was a pretty horrible thing it was a absolutely devastating thing to go through oh, <clears throat> kind of mad. yeah and uh, also you know she she has uh, I have uh, cousins that have gotten it and uh, she had an uncle that got it and uh, he he was damn near taken he was uh, he was at the very last leg of his life when he finally started making a recovery and he was in the hospital for almost three months yeah he he was he was perfectly healthy uh, ran all the time in great shape in his 50s just you know athletic and everything and it just took him down and he's not the same at all now he's not the same man at all he can't do much of uh, anything that he used to do absolutely destroyed his, his respiratory respiratory yeah. system yeah so i decided to go ahead and get the dose i i don't regret it i didn't have any adverse effects i just i think you know that it comes down to hope and hope is a very powerful uh, thing you know and so i think you know that, that was the main reason is, is is hope well i i really appreciate you sharing that and i have respect for that totally so one of the things I want to transition to, um, one of the things I wanted to pick your brain on is the therapeutic 
alternatives, you know, in, in my perception from, you know, when, when my children's school was telling us that they were going to send our kids home and this all blew up in March of 2020 from then, like literally like basically day one, it felt like it was always going to be about the vaccine. I know that early on, early on, like what, like in April or May, there was there was a doctor in France named Didier Raoul, and he was raving about the success he was having treating COVID patients with hydroxychloroquine. And, and here in the States, not long after that, there was a doctor, Vladimir Zelenko, and he was just like screaming from the mountaintops like, hey, z- uh, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, and azithromycin. This is my protocol. I haven't had anybody die. I, I remember watching Pierre Corey treats COVID patients and he's sitting at a Senate Judiciary Committee meeting begging them to let him use ivermectin. And he says, he says, ivermectin is a miracle drug. And I use that as that, I use that term, not sensationally. I use it as a a medical recommendation based off of mountains of evidence. He said, we have a study down out out of Argentina 800 people in the study, 400 were prophylaxed with ivermectin, 400 were given a placebo. Of the 400 that received ivermectin, not one came down with COVID. Of the 400 in the placebo arm, 253 of them came down with COVID. He said, if you take ivermectin, you do not get COVID. And he's just saying, he's just saying, listen, I, I treat people who are dying from COVID every day. I can't go back into my hospital and know that I have a treatment that will help them avoid having COVID for no reason. And, and that video, when I first saw that video, I was like, and it got scrubbed from the internet. I couldn't find it. I, I've been able to find it since, and I'm gonna link it in the show notes to this, to this show. But um, I guess what I'm saying is there was a study in 2005 out of the NIH that Fauci was very much aware of that it it proves that chloroquine is an inhibitor of SARS-CoV-2. And I guess my my question is, what are your thoughts on the fact that any alternative to to treating COVID other than the vaccine has been denigrated? (laughs) I come from a background of homeopathy and natural remedies, and uh, you won't find any harmful chemicals in my home at all. I, I purged all of every single thing that was in my home that, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel was shouldn't be in my home anymore. So I, I, I can understand where you're going with uh, the, the remedies for COVID uh, that are natural and uh, that can bring on your natural immunity and bolster it and strengthen it and yeah. uh, and and basically kick the hell out of COVID. Right. Uh, the thing is. I, I, I'm stuck in the middle on this because uh, I, I kind of feel that maybe, you know, it should be a combination of both uh, of vaccines and homeopathy, home or natural uh, remedies. And uh, if there is a natural remedy out there, of course, that, that all you have to do is take that. Like I, 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 I was listening to a little podcast from your, uh, your stepfather there and he had Dr. Brownstein on there. And he was discussing how hydrogen peroxide with iodine. And he says, you know, that it works and uh, that people have been using it and they've been curing themselves within, you know, just a matter of days. And that that's amazing. And if that really is what's happening and this is being kept back from the public, being held back for whatever reason, for the 
the corporations that are making all the money off the vaccine and whatever is happening. So I'm, I'm completely against it and uh, will not stand for that. And uh, the only thing is, I don't know what I can do about it. I appreciate your honesty. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to move on to the next question, but I am going to tell you what I think is the case. I think I read the, the legislation that undergirds an emergency use authorization. And in order for a medical intervention to be given an emergency use authorization, it, there has to be no legitimate alternatives. And that's what I think this is about, because there's been nine new billionaires out of those pharmaceutical companies that ha have been created since these COVID vaccines. You got to follow the money. It's always about the money. Always. My right. next question is, I want to talk about the actual vaccines uh, and, and maybe just pick your brain if, if you know uh, kind of your stance on this. So I've read, I, I believe, statements from I, definitely Moderna and Pfizer, but I think even the Johnson & Johnson uh, representatives, they've come right out and said that, that the end point of the vaccine is not to stop transmission. They're, they're not even giving the illusion that, that it stops transmission. That has not, is not the goal of that. And in fact... It's a fact that the CDC has changed the definition of a vaccine three times since 2015. That's a fact. And such that it used to be a vaccine would stop you from, from getting the, the disease that you're getting vaccinated for. Now, since the COVID-19 vaccines, on the CDC's website, the definition of a vaccine is basically it gives you some protection is, is what they've diluted it down to. And so for me, since there's no science that proves that the, the vaccine actually stops the spread and it's free for, for everyone that wants to get it, anybody that I feel like at this point has wanted to get it, has gotten it, um, I, I could at least intellectually understand the president of the United States mandating it if it stopped the spread. I could, I, I would still disagree with it, but I could at least understand that. Why, like, first of all, do you agree with, with the mandate, which it sounds like is kind of getting tied up in legislation right now, but do you agree with the, 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 the United States government mandating the vaccine? And if so, how do you justify that with the fact that it doesn't actually stop people from getting COVID? Um, I'm, I'm also in the middle on this one. Okay. You know, the word freedom is a, is, is a funny word. The power or right to act, think, or speak as one wants without hindrance or resistance. And if you think about that, that definition to the word freedom, it's interesting, the word or between power and right. The power or right, you know, the, the, those two having the power to do it or having the right to do it is... is <laughs> to me, freedom, uh, you know, itself is more, it's more of a feeling than an act because really who's, who has freedom, who has total freedom? Nobody, nobody except one single person, one single person by themselves. You have all the freedom in the world. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, but as soon as there's another person and you have two people or more, you don't have any freedom anymore. Your freedom is gone. Because you're always, at all times, you are compromising. Uh, at all times, you are compromising. Every every moment you're spent with another person, you're you're. It's always a compromise with the others and their values upon your value. And so, 
I mean, uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, that, that we should always strive to do what is best for all of humankind, you know, at all times, right? And yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's really, to me, that's what this mandate is about. And, and it's trying to do what's right for everybody. That's really a deep thought. And I appreciate your, your insight on that. I have some disagreements and I don't want to get into the weeds on that. So I'm not going to push back on that. But I will say, can you at least, can you at least acknowledge for me that you at least understand my confusion with regards to it is not, it's proven that it does not stop. Like if, if they force me. Yeah. Let me get to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so for the second part, you know, uh, the uh, proof that the vaccine will stop, you know, the actual virus from transmission, there has been vaccines in the, in the past that, that stopped transmission and uh, uh, the, the viruses or the diseases that those vaccines worked against, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty minor compared to a COVID-19 virus. Uh, they're not near as strong and not near as uh, virulent, not near. I think, you know, that uh, there, there doesn't need to be proof that, that it will stop the virus. There needs to be proof that it will reduce the effects. And there is proof that it does reduce the effects. There's, you know, everybody's freaking out about the fourth wave over in Europe right now and saying, oh, this is in, in Israel. And, uh, and they're saying that these places are the most vaccinated places in the world, but they're also the most populous. And they're also the most, uh, well, uh, Israel, I mean, a lot of it, is has it's it's not you don't want to say third world country but it's it's poverty it's it's stricken it's bad conditions for a lot of the population and even though they're vaccinated i mean uh, they they can still spread it and uh that's that's always been known about the vaccines for covid19 and uh that i don't think they've ever claimed to know that it will actually stop the vaccine or that it will stop transmission so i i really think that the only thing we can have is, like I said before, is hope. I like that. And that hope is, is, is you know, I'm, I'm all for, I'm not really all for forcing vaccines on people, though. See, that's where I'm, I'm split. I, I can't, Go all I, the I way. can't get fully on board with that, you right. know, just, just forcing people to get vaccines. But I look at the past and I see that we were forced to get many vaccines for many years like small and uh this could just be another one you know i mean uh, it's another one added to the list we haven't had one in a long time but it's it's time to add one i think okay well i'm gonna move on i'm not gonna touch that uh i appreciate (laughs) i appreciate your opinion i do want to talk one one more question on on mandates and it's something really near and dear to my heart because i know with the trend of the way things are going it's looking like it's going to be mandated on children to go to school. And I want to, I want to read. So Pfizer's vaccine was recently given an emergency use authorization for children five to 11. And, you know, all, all quality medicine involves the balance of risk and reward. Like that's, that's what quality medicine is, is there's going to be risk, but is the reward worth it? That's, that's what it's all about. And we, you know, we consider risks, And if the reward of a given intervention outweighs the risk, then we know that the intervention may be a good idea. But if the risks outweigh the potential reward, then we can't ethically move forward with the intervention. 
there's literally been about 100 children and it might not even be that high. It's not, it's, it's not more than a hundred children. And if it is, it's like, it's not more than 150 children. Let's put it that way in all of America that have died from COVID-19 and almost every single one of the children who have died from it had significant underlying comorbidities like diabetes. They were overweight, autoimmune diseases, that kind of thing. Statistically, children have a 99.9% chance of surviving COVID without any significant complications. The flu, it's, it's a fact that the flu is much more deadly to children than COVID. And within the, the 2,268 children within the Pfizer trial was a, a, a young lady named Maddie Daguerre. And Maddie was in the, the Pfizer COVID arm of the trial. And I'm just going to read a brief overview of the reaction that Maddie had during the trial. Before the trial, Maddie was a very healthy 12-year-old girl whose only existing conditions on her health chart were ADHD dermatographia. Her first dose resulted in a normal set of reactions. After her second dose on January 20th, 2021, she had immediate pain at the, at the injection site. After 18 hours she developed the following, severe muscle and nerve pain, painful electric shocks down her neck and spine, which caused her to walk hunched over, severe chest pain that felt like her heart was being pulled out of her body, numbness, swelling in her vaccine arm, her fingers and toes turned white and were cold to the touch. The pain in her toes was so bad she walked on her heels, severe abdominal pain, and a fever of 101.4. Over the next several months, the severe abdominal muscle and nerve pain persisted, but she also experienced fatigue, nausea, vomiting, abdominal distension, regurgitation of food, and eventually the inability to swallow foods or liquids, itchy rash on her arms, peeling skin under her feet, unexplainable painful cysts on her private parts, tinnitus, vision problems, headaches, dizziness, erratic blood pressure and heart rate, memory loss, brain fog, verbal and motor tics, seizures. She started her first menstrual cycle, which lasted over a month, and paralysis from the waist down. But the worst part of this story is that Pfizer totally ghosted Maddie and her family. They denied, um, they did, denied that it, the, her reaction had anything to do with the vaccine, and they have totally ignored the family, left them alone to deal with the overwhelming mounting medical bills, and thus her case was not considered a safety signal in that trial. And a couple weeks ago, the FDA voted 17 to 0 to, um, they, they voted basically, in my estimation, they voted that the rewards of vaccinating children with a COVID-19 vaccine outweigh the risks. Additionally, it's very, very well-established fact that COVID-19 vaccines are causing a significant amount of heart swelling called myocarditis, particularly in young men, uh, young, young boys. Considering the fact that um, kids have virtually no reward from taking the COVID-19 vaccine, and there is this mounting evidence that there is risk 
Do you see an issue with how that trial was handled? And um, do you think that there should be a pause on mandating the vaccine for children? As far as uh, vaccines for children, it's, it's a difficult one. Uh, you know, they're, they're already, uh, like I said, uh, overdosed. And uh, that's at such a young age. There, there isn't actual proof. You know, there isn't actual anything. But there are all of the millions and millions of dollars that the government has paid to these families, you know, in, in order to uh, keep them quiet. And putting more children at risk with another vaccine, I can't, you know, that's just, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, to say, well, you know, if, if, if we give all the children vaccines, then uh, they won't be spreading it as, as much as uh, without vaccines. And uh, that will in turn uh, keep us as adults safer and the children safer all in all. And that's, you know, the way that they're looking at it. And uh, they're not really, because they've had so many years of experience of, like I said, paying, paying off families for, for the injuries and saying, you know, that uh, it, it's, it's for the better of the good, you know, and, uh, and whatnot. And, so I can understand their viewpoint, uh, trying to mandate it and, and make it uh, just as, as predominant as, as, as all the other vaccines. But in my eyes, another vaccine uh, for, for children is not the answer. Awesome. We can agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> right? There you go. <laughs> um, okay. So I, I want to touch on natural immunity. Um, a study came out of Israel, I believe, in August, and it indicates that natural immunity is 13 times more effective than vaccine immunity. And the CDC has refused to acknowledge natural immunity when they did their, they lifted some of the, the guidelines for only vaccinated people. They didn't at all acknowledge, Hey, if you can prove that you've had COVID, we're going to lift the, the guidelines for you as well. And they're continuing to just insist that even if you've had COVID, you should, you should get the, the vaccine without acknowledging that if you've had the, if you've had the natural strain, you're at least, at, at least as protected as those that are vaccinated. What are your thoughts on that? If your immunity goes up a certain amount with a vaccine and goes up a certain amount with catching the actual virus that's in the vaccines, and that amount is actually higher for immunity, natural immunity, than it is for vaccine immunity, uh, you have to take into consideration, you know, that you're taking the risk of dying. Either way you are really, but you're, the risk for dying is, I don't know how many times worse, but it's a lot worse when you're, you're unvaccinated. It, and it's been proven, you know, like I said, when you are vaccinated, that the symptoms are suppressed and they're less than when you're unvaccinated for certain people. There are those people, you know, I, I wish I wish that there was just some way that we could find out who those people are that that can't handle the vaccines. Don't give them to them. Find out a different way of treating those people. And then, you know, giving the vaccine, there's there's got to be some kind of marker. There's got to be some kind of some way that we can find out they can spy and they can spot Asperger's and they can spot all these other uh, markers in our DNA and everything else. They should be able to figure out the DNA that's different for those people that are, that are being injured and, and, and they aren't handling the vaccine well, you know, and, and, and figuring out something different from them. That would be the ultimate goal. <laughs> but I, I think that's awesome. I, I respect that. So, okay. So we're kind of nearing our end of their time. So I want to 
I want to kind of close with something that is most important to me. And that is, or I guess it, it's it's most important to me, but it's actually what bothers me the most about the last couple of years and the mandates of the COVID vaccine and, and all, all that's going on. And that is vaccine injury. Because it's, it's a fact. And I appreciate that you acknowledge it. You've done the research. So you know that it's there. You know that it's real. So that's half the battle. If you listen to the, the first part of my episode, you know that vaccine injury is very near and dear to my heart. You know, I have people in my family. I have a cousin that I lost. She's dead. She, uh-huh. she died. Um, Gardasil, Gardasil is an evil vaccine. And there is widespread proof that Gardasil is a damaging vaccine. Yes, I know about all about Gardasil. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, but beyond that, um, the thing that really bothers me on this topic is the powers that be, the Fauci's, just the powers that be in general, they seem to be, in my estimation, gaslighting those of us who question vaccine safety, you know, because as we've said, it's a fact that vaccine reactions happen, um, sometimes very serious, sometimes mild, sometimes death, that that does happen. I mean, that's one thing is the vaccine reporting system that we have in this country is way behind Europe. And it's not adequate, and it needs to be revamped. But according to the only vaccine database, vaccine injury database that we have, VAERS, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, the COVID-19 vaccine has already become the most damaging and deadly vaccine than all other vaccines in history combined. VAERS is a passive reporting system, as you probably know, Sean. So, you know, medical practitioners are not bound by any policy or law to report vaccine injuries. However, unlike many of the conspiracies that I've heard from people like the one who told me that I need to go crawl under a rock, uh, it is it is not simple to compile a VAERS report. It's not like you, can, you and I could just get on there and do a hundred reports and have it inflate the numbers. It, the, the, the information that is required to fill out a vaccine report is significant lot numbers, the doctor, the hospital. And most of the time, it's medical practitioners that are filling out these reports. So, and, and with the fact that it's passive, we know, I mean, there's a study that came out that said that it estimated that vaccine injury is about 90% underreported. So having said that, the VAERS website is crappy. It's hard to read. It's complex. It's outdated. The actual software that's used to create it is not look doesn't look good. And so there's a group of people that conducted a project where they basically extracted out all of the data and put it into a dashboard that's easy to understand and read. And it's called OpenVAERS, openvaers.com. And currently, according to OpenVAERS, it's all the VAERS data. It's just in a separate platform that is easy to understand. So how long has it been on the online slide? Since pretty early on in COVID. And oh, so okay. according to according to Open Vares, currently there have been 10,981 cases of Bell's palsy, 7,984 cases of anaphylaxis, 136,785 doctors visits, 97,715 urgent care visits. 91,982 hospitalizations and 18,461 deaths. So yeah, without getting into the fact that it's underreported or any of that, I guess my question or the thing that bothers me the most 
is that the the powers that be seem to be ostracizing those of us who don't want the shot. And not only that, they make us feel like we're the problem for questioning the science when the science is pretty clear to me that the that there is an element of danger. There certainly is an element of danger. There's a risk to taking the vaccine. So I guess my question to you is, do you sense that as well? Do you at least do you can you at least acknowledge that there's a little bit of gaslighting that that that, that have you have you ever heard a an official from the NIH or the CDC or any of those um, health organizations acknowledge vaccine injury? I have not. No. As far as the the reporting and so the, the uh, let me think here. You know, uh, earlier I was talking about hope. And yeah. how hope is super powerful, and it's 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 something that 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 can just uh, it can cause you to do things that you would never do before in your life, right? And another one of those those super powerful things that can that can cause you to do things that you would never do in your life, or or prevent you from doing things that you would never do in your life, is fear. And I think fear is actually the most powerful. Yeah, and I think that fear runs a lot of people's lives. A lot of people's lives are run by fear, and it's it's not it's not a horrible thing you're uh, it's not being a bad person it's not being uninformed it's not being uneducated it's not being under a rock or whatever the hell you want to say it's not anything besides being cautious worrying about your family worrying about your your loved ones worrying about yourself worrying about the future what the future holds and not being able to just take the words, uh, not being able to have faith in the words of Dr. Fossey or um, the CDC, uh, these, these agencies and these people that are out there that are uh, their whole lives or uh, the whole working lives, you know, who knows about what their personal lives, how they really feel, but their whole working lives are dedicated to things like vaccines and disease control. I myself, I bit the bullet because not, not, I was fearful. I was, I was very fearful. I, I was sitting there waiting for that needle to go in. Fear is, is definitely a major driver in a lot of, of people's lives. And it's, it's one of the most difficult things to, to, to overcome as well. Well, I, I appreciate that. And that's very candid. I don't think I can and... question, did I? No, that's great. That's great. I will. I'm going to push. I'm going to push back on you just a little bit here because there's two sides to that coin. Because from my perspective, there's a lot of fear driving the the, the major push to vaccinate. Of course, there's a virus out there that's deadly and killing people. So for me, it's a faith thing, but but we don't have to go into that realm. The humanity made it this far with thousands and thousands of years without having vaccines. And the COVID-19 vaccine is not going to get us out of this. There's animal reservoirs for COVID. It's endemic. It's going to be with us forever. And the COVID-19 vaccine is not going to get us out of it. So for me, it's the opposite of fear. Like I, I am, I'm not, not getting the shot to, because I'm afraid of the, the adverse effects. I want people who are telling me that I have to get the shot to acknowledge that the adverse effects happen because they damn sure do. I'm not getting the shot because I trust that I, 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 I am an avid researcher. And so did you know that 70% of people that died from COVID in the first eight months were vitamin D deficient? I take lots of vitamin D every day. I drink lots of water. I'm trying to get better on my health. My belly probably doesn't reflect that. 
Um, I'm trying to eat better. I try to get more sleep. And, and there's been none of that from the, from, from the CDC. It's all been about the vaccine. And uh, I, I just, I've seen some, I've seen some, some advertising about uh, being more healthful uh, and uh, fight COVID naturally. And uh, I have seen some, I have seen good. some, not, not a good. lot, not near as much as the, uh, the vaccination uh, mask up uh, uh, right. and everything media, right. but yeah, there has been a little bit I've seen, but I understand what you're saying. And without that acknowledgement, I can understand how you, you can say that you, you just don't want to participate. It's hard because there's no two ways about it. You know, there's no, it's either or. And right. unfortunately, uh, again, it's, it's a, what can I or you do about it? Yep. We can argue till, till the sun comes up over it. And that's about all we can do. And, and you can keep taking your side and I can keep taking my side. That's pretty much how it's going to play out, I think, for the next however many hundreds of years we have this around, you know. Well, Sean, I, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate. I know you took a lot of your own time to prepare for this and to oblige me by letting me interview you. And um, I think it was an awesome discussion. I definitely feel definitely better about where somebody who is on the other side of this aisle is coming from. And that's, that's the goal for me. Mad respect for where you're at. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great discussion. I learned some things. You learned some things and I would love to do it again sometime. Well, uh, I appreciate it, Sean. 